Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stadium in South Florida, the last of our Sweet 16 battles in the throwback league. One more team needed to fill out the Elite Eight bracket. It'll either be the five seed, the 97 Marlins, or the visiting nine seed, the 88 Oakland A's. Josh Lewin with you. This may be the most beautiful sports theme I've ever heard, and it wasn't even composed for sports. It was made for the the Fox Adventure Western Series, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., but I'll be damned if it doesn't fit right in here with what NBC was doing covering the 97 series. Anyway, here in the Miami area, the heavy thunderstorm activity has passed us by. The soaking rains have moved out, leaving a bit of a slick outfield, but the tarp was down, the infield dry. As Steve Ontiveros, a one-time ERA champion, will tow the rubber for the Tony La Russa-led Oakland A's. It'll be Al Leiter for Jim Leland's Marlins. Leland and La Russa, best of friends and joined at the hip since 1982 when La Russa gave Leland his first big league coaching job with the White Sox. And in 06, the two friends would oppose each other in the World Series. Here tonight, 104 wins for the 88 A's, but a World Series loss. Only 92 wins for the Wild Card 97 Marlins, but a World Series win. Let's bring in our pregame analyst to take a little bit of a look at the home team. Bob Costas had that 1997 series for our friends at NBC. Well, the Marlins had finished, I don't know, nine, ten games behind the Braves in the same division, but they snared the wild card, and then they beat uh, the Braves in six games in the LCS. LaVon Hernandez had an incredible game in Florida, uh, with the help of Eric Gregg behind the plate, who had the widest strike zone in history. Talk about an automated strike zone. I mean, his called third strike to end the game on Fred McGriff. McGriff couldn't have reached that with uh, Sergei Bubka's vaulting pole. It was so far outside. But it was kind of in keeping with the, the feel of the game at that point. And now they get into the World Series against the Cleveland Indians. And in a sense, the Marlins were a sentimental favorite in among real baseball fans because of Jim Leland, lifelong baseball man who comes so close so many times with the Pirates. On the other hand, Indians fans had a lot more invested. During the seventh game on NBC, I think I said something about halfway through the game to this effect. There are people in Cleveland who've been waiting for this for a half century. There are people in South Florida who've been waiting for this since Thursday. 
and the people in South Florida got their wish. That seventh game was really a tremendous game. Had it been, had that game been exactly the same between, let's say, the Dodgers and Yankees, it would be one of the most well-remembered games in baseball history. It had all kinds of strategy, as great games do. It had heroes and goats. It had strategy that you could question, strategy that you could applaud. And the Marlins win it in 11 innings on the Edgar Renteria hit. Thank you, Bob. We'll get back to the 97 Marlins in just a bit. But first, let's break down the visiting team. The green and gold wearing Bash Brothers, the Oakland A's, are here. And for Jose Canseco, a trip back home. The 40-40 superstar, born in Cuba but raised here in Miami, only about 20 miles away from Pro Players Stadium, which, by the way, is tough to keep track of. During the planning and building phase of this place, it was known as Dolphin Stadium. Joe Robbie, the original and then owner of the Dolphins and the new stadium, said he didn't want the stadium named after himself, but hey, they insisted, and I'm only human, he said. In the early 90s, Wayne Huizenga gained control of the stadium and sold the naming rights to Pro Player, which is the sports apparel division of Fruit of the Loom. So uh, Joe Robbie Stadium became Pro Player Park in August of 96. Dolphins opened up that fall, and then it was Pro Player Stadium. Then it was Fruit of the Loom filing for Chapter 11, so a pro player had to go away. Eventually, there would be a Landshark Stadium, Sunlight Financial Stadium, Hard Rock, etc. Dolphin Stadium, uh, let's just call it Pro Player Stadium here tonight. As for who's in it, 88 Oakland playing very well uh, back where they're from, simply known as Oakland Alameda County Stadium, and they were 54 and 27 in 88 at home, 50 and 31 on the road. 104 wins total, right? Yeah, including a 14-game win streak in late April, early May. They went 40 and 17 down the stretch. They swept the Red Sox in the ALCS. But then the famous 88 World Series against Kirk Gibson, Oral Hershiser, and the Dodgers. Game one, you know the drill here. 4-3 Oakland into the bottom of the ninth. Eck came on to close for Dave Stewart. Got the first two batters, got Sosha and Jeff Hamilton. But then Mike Davis, Eckersley, former A's teammate, batting for Alfredo Griffin, the five-pitch walk. Uh, Dave Anderson initially entered the on-deck circle to hit for Alejandro Pena next. Eckersley pitching carefully to Davis because the A's remembered the home runs he hit for the A's a year earlier. Not necessarily because Dave Anderson was on deck. That was the story that was later told. But after Davis walked, Tommy Lasorda sends Kurt Gibson up there instead. Foul balls, foul balls, eventually the uh, iconic home run. Gibson would never bat again in that series, and that walk-off in game one, the first time a, a World Series game ended with a come-from-behind home run. The heroics would not have been possible without the earlier home run by the man replacing Gibby in the lineup, Mickey Hatcher. But uh, by the time Kurt Gibson reached his locker after game one, R. Hobbs had been written and taped over Gibson's nameplate in reference to uh, Robert Redford in The Natural. Game one, the only game in World Series history that uh, a Grand Slam hitting team both failed to win the game and later failed to win the series. And sure enough, game two, with a rested Oral Hershiser on the mound, Oakland couldn't do anything. Uh, Hershiser going the distance, allowing three singles, all by Dave Parker. Hershiser had three hits all by himself in that game. Game three in Oakland, and uh, well, the, the A's won in the bottom of the ninth. Their game winner was Mark McGuire, uh, and uh, this ended up being not a lot of anything, but the fact that he could actually 
be part of something here because he struggled otherwise in the series. Same for Ken Seiko. But uh, Stan Javier ended up with both RBIs, single and a sack fly with McGuire. They got that rally started in the ninth off Jay Howell, who was struggling. But game four, no Kirk Gibson, no Mike Marshall. The Dodgers started with a very statistically weak hitting team. In fact, that game four lineup, 36 home runs total in the regular season. John Shelby had the most with 10. The Conseco and McGuire all by themselves had 74 for Oakland. Bob Costas, you heard of him earlier in our broadcast tonight. He angered the Dodgers, especially Tommy Lasorda. He commented before the start of the game, the Dodgers were going to quite possibly put out the weakest hitting lineup in World Series history. That comment fired up the competitive spirit of the Dodgers, and Tommy Lasorda would actually suggest a little bit later on the MVP of the 88 series should really be Bob Costas. L.A. winning that game 4-3, to three, despite the A's having the winning run at the plate in Conseco and Dave Parker both in the bottom of the ninth. So game five, Hershiser baby, capping one of the greatest seasons ever by a starting pitcher. Just a tremendous run. The A's just did not have a shot. They were dispatched four games to one. Here's their lineup tonight, trying it in Miami. Carney Lansford, the veteran third baseman leading off. Luis Polonia's in left. Jose Canseco and Wright McGuire is at first. Hendu, Dave Henderson in center. Ron Hasse, the catcher. Walt Weiss at short. Glenn Hubbard at second base. And, well, there will be the chance for Steve Ontiveros to actually swing the bat in this one. How long he goes in this game, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the 97 Marlins, a home team. And we mentioned the La Russa-Leland connection. In 1982, La Russa entering his third full season as manager of the White Sox, hired Leland. He was then a manager in the Tigers farm system. And the next season, the White Sox had the best record in the AL. They won 99 games. Leland's coaching reputation became such he was hired by the Pirates as their manager in 86. And that began a career that spanned 20 seasons for four different clubs, including the 97 world title in Miami. Great piece of managing because no Marlins player in 97, none with as many as 200 bats anyway, had a 300 batting average. Greg Zahn hit 301 in 143 at bats, backup catcher. Uh, well, and, and really there was another catcher, Rob Nadel, who went two for four. Josh Booty, the third baseman up from AAA, went three for five. So those two, yes, hit 500 and 600, but come on. You, you want the batting averages of uh, Billy McMillan, John Wainer, and Alex Arias, too, while we're at it? On the ERAs of Kurt Ojala and Rob Stanifer. Uh, the Marlins relying heavily on free agency. Moises Falou, Bobby Bonilla, Alex Fernandez. The investment paid off. Uh, Alou homered in his Florida debut, opening night against the Cubs at Pro Player Stadium. Kevin Brown got the win in that one. That was a harbinger. The 97 Marlins never could beat the Braves in the regular season, but they did it in the NLCS after disposing of the Giants in the division series. On to the World Series for them. And for the first time in six years, a seventh game would decide it. More, more of uh, Oral Hershiser in this series to talk about here. And tonight's Marlins starter against the A's, Al Leiter, the Game 7 starter, against Mike Hargrove, who was celebrating his 48th birthday that night. And his decision was uh, no Chad OJ, no Oral Hershiser. Those guys would be on short rest. Jared Wright the rookie would come back and, and pitch game seven. And actually pitched really, really well. He had a shutout at the seventh inning stretch. It was 2-0 Tribe in game seven, but Bobby Bonilla 
homered to Chase Wright in the last of the seventh, and with everything on the line in the bottom of the ninth, Indians sending Jose Mesa out there, yada, yada, yada. Craig Council scores from third, jumps on a home plate. And Edgar Renteria in jubilation with that game-winning hit, removing his helmet with tears in his eyes before touching first base. He had the walk-off series-winning single. And very soon after that, the championship team dismantled pretty much brick by brick. Just 16 months after that Renteria base hit, 22 of the 97 Marlins' top 26 players going by wins above replacement purged from the team's roster, the most infamous fire sale in baseball history. They gutted the fish. Now, they would rebuild and reload and win it all again in 03, just six years later. Marlins had three players who played on both World Series teams, 97 and 03, Rick Helling, Luis Castillo, and Mr. Marlin Jeff Conine. Although Castillo was sent back down to the minors before the playoffs in 97, Helling traded in August to Texas for Ed Vosburgh, but Bottom line, 97 Marlins did what they set out to do. They had their first winning season, swept the Giants in the NLDS, beat the Braves when it mattered, and the CS won the World Series. And for the very first time, winning baseball in South Florida. Attendance was up. In fact, it was way up, but not enough to satisfy Huizinga, who would get rid of the franchise soon after getting rid of pretty much all the team. And those fans were uh, just never given a chance to form an attachment to that 97 team. It was 11 days after the season ended. Huizenga said, I'm selling. And it was Moises Salou who told the Miami Herald, he said, everybody here got used. I feel dirty. The Marlins breaking South Florida's hearts. Can we cheer you up now? Can we give you their lineup? Remember some 97? And you know what? Before we give you their lineup, how was some pop culture to cheer you up? Although, uh, if you were a fan of Kenny in South Park, this was the first time he kept dying every episode. This was uh, the fall of 97. Oh, my God, they killed Kenny. Mike Myers got shagadelic. That was when the uh, the whole run of Mike Myers as Austin Powers movies started rolling. Titanic was a once-in-a-lifetime movie, right? Three-hour epic. Had to be released on two VHS tapes that put James Cameron in a class by himself as the director of big-budget uh, big blockbusters. There was a, another blockbuster out pretty soon because of a blockbuster book. Remember Harry Potter? I, I think you probably do. Welcome to Hogwarts. That was 97. In sports, Allen Iverson hit the NBA with a bit of an impact. Cornrows, baggy clothes, tattoos, little hip-hop merge into the NBA really for the first time. And also in 97, Mike Tyson chewed off Evander Holyfield's ear. Okay, let's do the Marlins lineup now here tonight. Humid as always, but again, the rain has gone through. Edgar Renteria leads it off at short. Jim Eisenreich in center. Then Sheffield and Alou. Benia's at third. Charles Johnson, the catcher. Kurt Abbott at second. Jeff Conine, Mr. Marlin at first base, batting eighth tonight. And Al Leiter, the pitcher, batting number nine. Leiter, the New Jersey native, 11-9, 4.34. He and Tony Saunders, the two lefties in the Miami rotation. The team actually led by Kevin Brown with 16 wins and Alex Fernandez with 17. But Leiter, a member of three world championship teams, Blue Jays twice, Marlins once. Lethal cutter that he throws inside to righties. Great stuff. And everybody's saying in 97. Next up, he could be pitching coach, manager, talk show host, senator. Whatever he wants to do, he could pretty much do it. Say that about Hershiser too if you want. A lot made of Leiter's failure to win in the playoffs, but one of the best games he ever had 
was essentially a playoff game. October of 99, he'll get uh, the Mets into the playoffs in Cincinnati. Winner, advancer, uh, winner advances, loser goes home. And he had a shutout in that game against a Reds team that hadn't been shut out in 250 games. This is a guy who in high school once uh, incredibly struck out 32 batters in a game. Uh, the game went 14 innings and was called by rain, scoreless after 14. Now Leiter made SI's faces in the crowd. When you strike out 32, I guess that's a, a thing. Decent enough 97. They'll have an unbelievable 98 for the Mets. 17 and 6, the RA of 2.5. But that'll be, yeah, having moved on like a lot of his teammates. So tonight, still as a Marlin, facing Carney Lansford to get things going. We are ready for baseball tonight under the lights. Lansford hitting 279, right hand batter, seven home runs. 57 runs batted in. He takes outside. It's 1-0. Behind lighter up the middle. Renteria at short. Abbott at second. Benia's at third in a little bit. And Jeff Conine, the first baseman. In the outfield, we mentioned Eisenreich, who's flanked by Sheffield and Alou. Next pitch is high. The pass ball from Leiter, 2-0. Oakland wearing their all grays with the gold and green trim. More of a forest green than Kelly green these days. Marlins in their home whites with the pinstripes and the teal. Black and teal. That's how they roll in 97. Here's the pitch. Hot shot, but right at second base. And Kurt Abbott has got it for the first out tonight. One down. And here is Luis Polonia, left-hand batter. Outfielder hitting 292. Couple of home runs. 24 steals. And the pitch from Leiter swerving in there for a strike. And stuff that is affectionately described as filthy. Andy Van Slyke once said, and I'm quoting here, if pornography were a pitcher, it would be Al Leiter. Next delivery, that is in for a strike. It's one and one. 3.30 down the left field line here at Pro Players Stadium. 3.45 to right. Office Depot pencils on those foul poles. 385 to the alleys, 404 to center. Pitch to Polonia, bouncing ball near Abbott. He's got it again at second base, loads and fires, two down. Which will bring up Jose Canseco back in Miami tonight as a 23-year-old American League MVP. 307 batting average, 42 homers, 124 runs batted in, and yes, the 40 stolen bases. He'll swing. He fouls one right back to the screen. Nothing in one. A unanimous MVP. All 28 first place votes. Mike Greenwell finished in second place of the Red Sox. Kirby Puckett third. Dave Winfield of the Yankees fourth. Dennis Eckersley fifth. As the pitch is inside, crowding him, it's one and one. National League MVP race in 88. Kurt Gibson ended up winning it with only 13 of 28 first place votes because a couple of Mets kind of split the difference behind him. Daryl Strawberry and Kevin McReynolds. The aforementioned Andy Van Slyke finishing fourth. Pitch is low. Two balls and a strike. No score here in the first inning. Conseco hit a grand slam we mentioned in World Series game one in 88. This was after being hit by a pitch. Taking here, and it's a strike at the knees, two and two. Final year playing big league baseball for Canseco will be 2001, but 
They'll play with a lot of minor league teams over the years. Most recently in 2018, at the age of 53, played for the normal Corn Belters of the Frontier League. Canseco and Normal don't usually go together. The pitch is lined in a center field base hit. Right past the mound, Jim Eisenreich scoops it up and fires it back in. So one on, and here's McGuire now. Big red-headed right-hand batter, 24 years old. Hit 260 this year. 32 home runs, 99 runs batted in. When he cashes out, 11th all-time in home runs with 583 of them. He eyeballs a strike. Right at the belt, nothing in one. Mark McGuire's brother Dan, a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks and a little bit here for the Miami Dolphins, right in this stadium in the early 90s at a San Diego State University. Got another brother, Jay, a bodybuilder. Conseco the lead from first. Now the pitch. That's rolled on the ground up the middle, but there's Renteria. He'll go touch up himself right there at second base. Lee's side retired. The fielder's choice to finish off the 88 A's in the top of the first. No score. Let's keep it here for a moment in 1988. Set them up, and the crowd goes wild. These exciting games brought to you by Fisher Price, because you're only young once. Well, as for something you can get into right now, here in 2020, might we suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. If you're an Oakland A's fan, I'm sure you've seen Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf around the Bay Area. You know, since 1963. They've been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world with responsibly sourced ingredients, handcrafted coffees and teas. The coffee bean and tea leaf is an experience like no other. So Steve Ontiveros gets a surprise start for the 88A. Stuart Welch, Storm Davis being held in reserve. Only 10 games for the New Mexico-born right-hander in 88. He gave way to Kurt Young in the rotation once he got hurt with an ERA of about four and a half. A second-round pick out of the University of Michigan back in 82. He'll actually be at his prime a good six or seven years after this 88 season. Headed off to play with some other teams before circling back to Oakland. And 95 All-Star, he led the American League in ERA in 1994, the year before that. Strike-shortened year, but All-Star game in 95, he actually gave up Jeff Conine's game-winning home run. Conine in the lineup against him tonight, among others. This Ontiveros, Steve Ontiveros, no relation to the other Steve Ontiveros, who was an infielder with the Cubs and Giants back in the 70s. And we mentioned this Ontiveros, an unlikely choice by Tony La Russa. The ex uh, expectation, I think, maybe four innings or so, and they've got Kurt Young available after that, kind of a piggyback thing, I suppose. But it sets up the lights-out middle-inning bullpen guys, the Nelsons, the Catarays, the Honeycuts. LaRusa saving his horses, Dave Stewart and Bob Welch, for further throwback league action. In fact, uh, if the A's win this one, they'll get the 83 Orioles, so a matchup of maybe Jim Palmer and Dave Stewart. That'll be fun if the A's can win here tonight. No score, bottom one. Here's Renteria, the 21-year-old shortstop, hitting 277. He takes a strike. It's nothing in one. Lansford in on the grass at third. Weiss at short. 
Gold Glove caliber, Hubbard at second, great defender, McGuire at first. Dave Henderson is in center, Polonia's in left, Conseco in right, Ron Hasse doing the catching. As the pitch dips down too low, it's one and one. Edgar Renteria debuted at the age of 20 last year, 1996, had a 22-game hitting streak. Finished up hitting 309 last year. Finished behind Todd Hollinsworth for Rookie of the Year. Hollinsworth now working for the Marlins these days in TV. Pitch is high, 2-1. and one. Well, here in 97, Renteria planted his flag early on inside the park home run. April 5th against the Reds, won that game in the 11th inning with a just a regular RBI single. 21 years old and just killing it. Plays a pretty mean shortstop, too. Swings here, and speaking of shortstop, there's Walt Weiss with a nice backhand pick. He loads, he fires, he got him by a step. One up, one down. Weiss versus Renteria. Couple of real nice-looking shortstops. Here is Jim Eisenreich. And he's not 21 like Renteria. He's 38. Hitting 280 this year. There are a lot of part-time kind of players to get things done for these Marlins. Craig Council, Greg Zahn, Cliff Floyd, Mark Kotze, Todd Dunwoody. Of course, Aaron Dalton brought in. Pitch on the way. Hit on the ground towards second. There's Glenn Hubbard on the move. A little bit towards first as Lobs on over. And there's quickly two out. Two ground ball outs. Here comes Gary Sheffield. Now, he had only 250 this year in 97. Only 21 home runs, but... 121 walks. No one else on the team with more than 70. Scary right-hand batter. People forget way back when he began as a Milwaukee Brewer. Then dealt to the Padres for a package of four players in 92. Taking here, it's outside, 1-0. Outfield deep and around to left. It has been said, and I totally agree, Gary Sheffield may be the all-time Major League leader in potential home runs pulled just foul down the left field line. If the left field foul pole was about 10 to 15 feet further left, it's a guy that might have a 70 or 80 home run season. Next delivery is outside, 2-0. And even though Sheffield had a pedestrian regular season in 97 in the playoffs, wow, on-base percentage of 521. So when those lights are on, he responds. He takes here, it's a strike, 2-1. And, and you know, at the age of 17, he was recruited by none other than Jimmy Johnson to be a running back at the University of Miami right here. Sorry, Jimmy, baseball won out. And it was probably the right call. Pitch is fouled at the plate, two and two. Sheffield has always been confident, if nothing else. Nephew of Doc Gooden, grew up in St. Petersburg across the state. And he's succeeded, or succeeded enough in this game to have his dream home built in St. Pete. 15,000 square feet and a pool with a man-made island. And then in front of the house, a pond with turtles in it. Sheffield was asked why the turtles, and he simply stared back at the reporter, and he said, I, I like turtles, which, which is good enough for us. Pitches outside, three and two the count. Sheffield, when he got married, it was a ceremony with 70,000 roses. So this guy doesn't mess around. Wiggles that bat like a toothpick till the very last second. That's a ritual he developed back in double-A ball 
to help him remember to keep his hands back. Payoff pitch coming in, swinging a hot shot right at short. It's actually a short hop. Play will have to be made by Weiss on the first. He does so. Basically, the ball trapped, it appeared. But man, a scorcher. And that does take care of business here. But man, the, the exit velo, <laughs> they don't have that here in 1997. But I bet that was easily 110 miles an hour, a sizzler on the ground. No score at the end of one. The 97 Marlins turned away. Let's keep it here in 97. Fire ants are not lovable. People do not want fire ant plush toys. They aren't cuddly, they don't do little tricks, they just bite you and leave red stinging welts that make you want to cry. That's why they have to die, and they have to die right now. You don't want them to have a long lingering illness, you want death. A quick, excruciating, see you in hell kind of death. You don't want to lug a bag of chemicals and a garden hose around the yard. It takes too long, and baits can take up to a week. No, my friend, what you want is Antstop Orthene Fire Ant Killer from Ortho. You put two teaspoons of Antstop around the mound, and you're done. You don't even water it in. The scout ants bring it back into the mound, and this is the really good part. Everybody dies, even the queen. It's that fast, and that's good, because killing fire ants shouldn't be a full-time job even if it is pretty fun. And stop Orthene Fire Ant Killer from Ortho. Kick fire ant butt. For best results, always follow label instructions. Wow. Well, speaking of killing things dead, how about ninth inning rallies? You know, the 88As had a man for that, their own version of Ortho. That would be Dennis Eckersley, and his stats are just sick. Runner-up for a Cy Young Award with 45 saves, 7-1 strikeout ratio, a 2.3 ERA. His 1990, by the way, ERA will be 0.61. But in 88, still a tour de force for those 45 saves. Uh, yes, it was a lot about Eck in the bullpen, but no, it was not all Eck in the bullpen. And he wanted to set the record straight on that for us here at the Throwback League. Yeah, I mean, you think about the bullpen, it's not just me at all. I mean, for me, if I didn't have Rick Honeycutt, I mean, he was uh, crucial in that bullpen. You know, he's, he'd get out a tough left-hander. Sometimes I wouldn't even pitch the ninth inning, start the ninth inning, if there was a tough left-handed batter. He'd come in and get the first left-hander. Then I'd come in to make my job a lot easier. And then we had setup guys. You know, that was the beginning of setup guys. You know, Gene Nelson was one of the best in the league at the time. Um, and then we had long guys. You know, we had we left right out in the bullpen like everybody else um, and some long guys. But – um, you know, a lot of guys get forgotten. You know, now, you know, setup guys are so much, you know, you hear their names, you know who they are nowadays. Back then, you didn't. But I knew who helped me, and that was really Rick Honeycutt and, and Gene Nelson. Well, thanks to the great Dennis Eckersley, converted starter for weighing in. He may or may not be needed later in this game, depending on what happens going forward. Right now, no score in the top of the second. Dave Henderson in there. 304 batter, 24 home runs, 94 runs batted in. Got that gap tooth grin waiting on the pitch. It's a strike from Leiter. It's nothing in one. 24 home runs. The A's were 23 and 1 in those games in which Hendu homered. Only a one time All Star. It won't be till 1991. Swings and misses at the cutter. Nothing in two. Henderson best remembered for the two-out, two-strike home run in the top of the ninth inning, game five of the 86 ALCS. 
In and waiting against Slider, who's working pretty quickly. Next one, swung on and miss. He got him. Well, the sinkers, the cutters, the curves, he's got them all. Great stuff from Al Leiter. That brings up Ron Hassey, 35-year-old left-hand hitting catcher. 257 hitter this year, seven home runs. Wasn't too long ago he had the highest average among all catchers back in the 1980 baseball season, that with the Indians. And in 1981, Hassey with the Indians caught Len Barker's perfect game against the Blue Jays. The pitch in for a strike, nothing and one. Lighter's a machine right now. June of 84 is when Hassey was moved along from Cleveland. That was in the Rick Sutcliffe with George Frazier deal for Joe Carter, Mel Hall, and Don Schultze was the other name in that one. Pitches outside, one and one. And Hassey with these A's, he is Bob Welch's personal catcher. Welch will win 27 in the Cy Young Award in 1990. Hassey will move along to Montreal, catch the Dennis Martinez perfecto. Here's the pitch. Line drive, center field, base hit. Ryan Hassey, wow. Now Leiter left one up. And kind of an unlikely guy to hit one hard here. The left-hand batter coming through. Here's a switch hitter, Walt Weiss. 24 years old, rookie of the year. 250 hitter, three homers, 39 runs batted in. Grew up outside New York City as a huge Miami Dolphins fan. So what a thing for him to be on this field here. In fact, the reason he wears number 22 is to honor his childhood hero, Mercury Morris, former Dolphins running back. Pitch to the rookie of the year is high. It's 1-0. The Angels reliever Brian Harvey in the running for rookie of the year. Red Sox second baseman Jody Reed. But Weiss, who is certainly not a bash brother, the defense carried him. Now the pitch. High fly ball. That'll end towards left center. And converging on it now, it'll be Eisenreich to put it away. Shallow left center field. Ron Hassey back to first, and here comes Glenn Hubbard. No score in this one. Two down. Hubbard, a 255 hitter, and also really known more for his fielding than his hitting. Well, and for that 1984 trading card where he had the eight-foot boa constrictor draped around his neck. Nothing like that right now. Just a number 17 on that smallish frame. He's 5'9", 150. Pitch to him is cut on and skied in the air, left side of the infield. Bobby Bonilla moving towards the line. Bobby Bow makes the catch, inning over. So, not a lot happening yet. And as we move to further action, still no score through the second, through the third, through the fourth. We got to take you to the fifth inning to have something of note go on. The 88 A's will grab a 2-0 lead. Carney Lansford, the double into the left field corner. Then Luis Polonia singles him in. 1-0. Canseco strikes out. Mark McGuire, however, comes through with a base hit. That sends Polonia along to third. And Dave Henderson, the sack fly to pretty deep center. 2-0 ball game going to the bottom of inning number five. All right, let's go to the bottom of inning number five. 2-0 for the A's. Charles Johnson leading off, 250 hitter, the catcher with 19 home runs, 63 runs batted in. Right hand hitter taking a strike, it's nothing in one. No, we didn't really expect Steve Onaveros to pitch more than four innings. He's into the fifth. Gene Nelson has started warming up. This is the bottom of the order here. 
Next pitch is outside. It's one and one. They're a two-time All-Star, including here in 97. Four-time Gold Glove winner, too. CJ, one of three catchers in big league history to catch at least 100 games in a season without committing a single error. Ontiveros to the plate. A little bloop towards center field. It's dropping. That is a base hit for Charles Johnson. And Kurt Abbott coming up. Now they're down 2-0, so you're looking for Abbott to put it in place, swing away. Doubt that, uh, well, let's see if Al Leiter will act. I mean, Leiter's pitching well. Let's see if they would think about pinch hitting if something gets going. First things first, Abbott, instead of the 21-year-old Luis Castillo, hitting 274, six homers, 30 batted in. He broke in as a member of these Oakland A's. Actually, was uh, called on to pinch run for Dave Henderson, matter of fact. Then eventually to these Marlins, 94 through 97. He eyeballs a strike. It's nothing in one. Yeah, the A's in 98, the Rockies in 99, Mets in 2000, the Braves in 2001 for Abbott. After getting from the A's to the Marlins before all that, wearing number seven, one-time 15th round pick out of St. Petersburg College here in Florida. Next delivery, line shot, that's fair, down the left field line, right under a diving Carney Lansford. Abbott will head towards second base, and Charles Johnson will be held at third. Oh, this is interesting now. You've got first base open. The inning's still just in bloom here. Nobody out, second and third. And boy, they're going to pinch hit. Al Leiter's going to be done with a 2-0 lead here. Remember, he was up 2-0 in Game 7 of the 97 World Series, too. That didn't work out real well. But uh, actually, he was uh, behind 2-0, was Leiter. But uh, 2-0 in this one. Who is this? It's uh, Todd Dunwoody. Wow, Todd Dunwoody has grabbed a bat. As Onaveros will stay out there. Now, Dunwoody, left-hand batter. And you knew, well, here's the deal. Lighter at the plate is just, he's terrible. In fact, he'll have a season 2003. Well, he'll go one for 53. That's a batting average of 019. So they're taking a shot. Dunwoody is a guy with a little bit of lift. If they're looking for just a sack fly anyway, you could get the, the runners along to home and then to third. Of course, if he hits one out, it's a 3-2 ball game. But Dunwoody... Two home runs and 50 at-bats. A 260 batting average. Spent most of the year at AAA. He's only 22 years old. And he takes outside. It's 1-0. He'll have a brief Major League future with Kansas City and the Cubs and the Indians, but a part-timer all the way. 11 career home runs in parts of six Major League seasons. Two on, nobody out. Remember, first base is open, but the top of the order on deck. Now the pitch. Swung on. That's a deep fly ball. Right field. Got a shot. All the way back. It is gone. Todd Dunwoody off the bench. Jim Leland, you are a genius. A chain-smoking genius. Todd Dunwoody. No three-run homers in his major league career. All 11 of his career home runs were solo shots, including his last one as a Cub in St. Louis off Andy Bennis four years from now. This will be his signature moment, maybe. The one-time seventh rounder from West Lafayette, Indiana, home of the Purdue Boilermakers. 
And he is a difference maker here. That's going to be it for Ontiveros. Maybe one batter too late for him. He gives up a three-run pinch hit home run to Todd Dunwood. Not Darren Dalton off the bench. Todd Dunwood off the bench. And man, this place has come alive now. 3-2 Florida. And it will be Gene Nelson now coming on. We can tell you Nelson will pitch very well and keep this thing at 3-2. We'll move ahead to further action here. It was Nelson, Cataray, eventually Rick Honeycutt. This game would stay 3-2 into the bottom of the eighth inning when the Marlins would look to add to the lead. And they did that against Greg Cataray. Sheffield with a walk and then moving along on a wild pitch. Moises Salou with a bounce out and Sheffield had to hold. Bonilla, fly ball to left. Sheffield still had to hold. But then Charles Johnson bangs one in the center. Sheffield around to score. That makes it 4-2. to two. That's when Honeycutt came on. He got out of the jam. So a 4-2 lead into the top of the ninth. We're not going to see Dennis Eckersley. We're going to see Rob Nen, the palindrome, N-E-N. And it would not start out beautifully for him. Glenn Hubbard, the leadoff walk. And Doug Jennings called on as a pinch hitter. You know, some weird pinch hitting assignments in this game. But hey, if it worked for Todd Dunwoody, maybe it could work for Doug Jennings. You know what? It almost did. He crushed one towards center field, but it just didn't have enough to get out. Dave Henderson went back right to the wall, made the catch. After that, Carney Lansford a line out to third. That left it to Luis Polonia. Now, if Polonia can get on, you're talking Conseco and McGuire, the Bash brothers, in a 4-2 game. Three balls, two strikes. Polonia swings and misses, strike three, and that's it. Rob Nen saves it. The 97 Marlins get the win. Four runs, seven hits, one error. 2-6-0 for the 88 A's. Lighter the winner. He went five. Jay Powell, two good innings after that. Dennis Cook went an inning. Mentioned Rob Nen went an inning. Ontiveros with the loss, and the strategy doesn't pan out here for Tony La Russa. There is no tomorrow. There is no Dave Stewart or Bob Welch game coming up in the Elite Eight or in the Final Four. As the 88 A's lose, well, as they did to uh, the Dodgers, this time it's to the Marlins instead, a 4-2 final score. And checking the box score, Charles Johnson did have a couple of hits for the Florida Marlins. Kurt Abbott had a couple, but obviously Todd Dunwoody, the man of the match, with the pinch hit three-run home run in the bottom of the fifth inning. There wasn't a single Oakland A that had more than one hit. In fact, there were only two extra base hits in the game for Oakland. Double from Carney Lansford, double from Dave Henderson. Hendu also had a sack fly. But our Elite Eight is now set. We've got it. Okay, here's what we're looking at. The 04 Red Sox will host the 91 Twins. That's the three seed against the four seed. 86 Mets will host the 05 White Sox. That's the three seed at a one seed. 84 Tigers will host the 95 Indians. That's an 11 seed visiting a one seed. And these 97 Marlins, a five seed, will match up with the 83 Orioles in Baltimore. The O's are a three seed. So we've got three three seeds, a couple of one seeds. We've got a four, a five, and an 11. All the two seeds are long gone. Jack Morris is alive and well on two different teams that I can see. Same with Howard Johnson, it looks like, right? With the 84 Tigers and 86 Mets. Uh, no Yankees, no Big Red Machine, no Atlanta Braves, but we've got six AL teams, two NL teams, with every team between 74 and 83 having been bounced. We've got a lot of mid-80s and 90s in here, including those 91 Twins. 
next week, who will send Jack Morris to the Fenway Mound against the knuckleballing Tim Wakefield. That'll be our matchup as we finally get into the Elite Eight of the Throwback League. And if you're a fan of checking out the brackets, you want to see where it all started and where it might end, thethrowbackleague.com is where to send you. All the box scores are there as well. You can follow us on Twitter. We hope you're doing that at the Throwback LG, and we hope you're telling all your friends about this project. We sure appreciate your patronage. This is Josh Lewin from a very humid Pro Player Stadium in Miami where the Marlins of 97 have prevailed. Once again, the final, the 97 Marlins 4, the 88 A's 2.